Hey, can we give it up for Jackie for telling us a little bit of his story? It's not an easy thing, as I'm sure you can imagine, to get up in front of a room full of people and talk about some significant mistakes you've made in your past. One of the things that he didn't include in his video, which I think is really cool for you to know, is that Jackie is currently attending seminary out in Cochrane. He's studying to be a pastor because the change that he's experienced in his life was so radical. He's like, yeah, if I can help other people experience the same thing, then I want to do that. So Jackie, thanks so much for sharing your story with us. I think it'll be an encouragement to a lot of people today. Now, like Jackie, I was not raised in church. I didn't start going to church until I was in my later teenage years, a lot like Jackie. And I used to have this perception of Christians and the church that I wonder if some of you guys can't identify with or relate to. I used to think that Christians were such phonies, you guys, like totally, completely fake. They were plastic. They weren't real people at all. Before I started going to church, I just had this mental image of Christians, and I did not like what I saw in my mind when I pictured them. I thought Christians were always walking around wearing their Sunday best, you know? They go to church, and they congratulate themselves on what good people they are, right? That's the whole point of church. Like, aren't we good? Yes, we are, brother. God bless you, right? Isn't everybody else terrible? Yes, they are, sister. God bless you. I just thought that's what church was. And I thought that's who Christians were. I just, I had no idea. I thought that every Christian believed that they were right and everybody else in the world was completely wrong. I thought Christians believed they were the good people who were on their way to heaven one day and that every other person was a bad person and they were on their way to hell. I honestly believed that the central teaching of Christianity was that God loves people who have it all together or at least pretend like they have it all together. That was my mindset. That was my perception of both Christians and the Christian church. And I know I'm not alone in that. I know some of you guys had that same mindset before you got involved in church. Some of you are here this morning and you're like, yep, that's pretty much what I expect to see when I come to church. But you know, I had a real problem with that idea of Christians. Because I knew that Christians acted like they had it together, but I knew they didn't have it together. They could pretend to be all perfect and never do anything wrong, but I knew that was a lie. Sure, they weren't smoking pot like me and Jackie, okay? But you know what? They were judgmental and they were hypocritical and a whole bunch of other things, right? And so I was like, why would anybody want to be a Christian? That doesn't make any sense to me at all. Don't you know you could sleep in on Sundays? Why would you get up and go to church? Why would you go to a place where people are not real, where they pretend like life is perfect and they never do anything wrong? Why would anybody want to do that? And as a teenager, I thought, not me, for sure. I do not want that at all. I'd rather be a pothead than a jerk, okay? So that's what I was for many years. But one day, I started attending church. And my mindset completely changed. Now, I'm not going to give you all the details on how I got, you know, from pothead to church pastor. I won't give you all those details, but I'll tell you, as a teenager, it involved a girl that I liked who attended youth group. That was all it took to get me to church. It wasn't that hard. God knew which button to push. So anyway, (laughs) I end up in church. And once I started going... And once I actually read the Bible for myself, or at least some of it, what I realized was that everything that I thought was true 
about Jesus, about what the Bible says, about who Christians are, and what church was all about. It turns out I wasn't just wrong, but I was completely wrong. The truth was the exact opposite of everything that I had in my mind. And for me, and I would assume for Jackie and for many of you, it wasn't until you actually showed up, until you actually started to investigate for yourself that your mind was changed and you realized why people would choose to follow Jesus in the 21st century. Now, listen, I believe There are some of you that are here this morning and you're skeptical and you're kind of opposed to this whole church thing. You're here for your own reasons. Somebody invited you or whatever, but you're kind of, you've already got the wall up and you're already like, I am not gonna like this. I'll tell you straight up, Dan. I don't care how funny you are. I don't care if you only talk for 10 minutes. I'm gonna hate everything you say, okay? I understand that some of you are here and that's your starting mindset. But can I tell you, my belief is that you have not rejected Jesus and his church. You have rejected a counterfeit Jesus and a counterfeit version of his church. The kind of church, the kind of religion that would hold people like me and Jackie and maybe even you at arm's length and say, no, you don't look like us. You don't talk like us. You don't dress like us. So you don't belong with us us. You've rejected that kind of church. You've rejected that kind of faith. And I'm so glad you have. Because if you can say no to that counterfeit version of faith, then you can say yes to the real version of Jesus, the real version of the good news of Christianity. Hey, this is our second week of this series we're calling This Is My Story. And in this series, what we're doing each Sunday for about five or six weeks is we're telling you the story of one normal person from our congregation. So last week, we told the story of Jordan and Amber who found God in the middle of a miscarriage. Today, we're telling the story of Jackie, who was far from God and headed down a path that he didn't want to be on. And so he simply prayed and God transformed him from the inside out. And the reason that we're telling these stories, and we've got four more or so that we're going to be telling, is because I want you guys to see how faith plays out in an average person's life. I don't mean Jackie's average. He's above average for sure. But what I mean is, I don't want to get up here and tell you a bunch of stories about how you know, faith works in a pastor's life. Not because pastors are special. You guys were not. You can ask my wife. Last night, I was screaming at the TV because my stupid Dallas Cowboys couldn't win a playoff game, all right? So like, I struggle with the same things you guys do, but it doesn't matter how often I tell you that. You don't believe me. You think, oh, you're the pastor. You're holy. No, I'm not. Just ask my wife. All right, so what I wanna do instead is I wanna show you just, I mean, normal college students, normal husbands and wives, typical people, and what faith looks like day in and day out for them. We're taking their stories and we're combining them with this book of the Bible called First Peter. And in First Peter, we read about first century Christians who were going through very similar things to what we go through in the 21st century. It's mind boggling how much what Peter writes to these first century Christians apply to me and to you. And overall, throughout this entire series, what I'm really hoping to do is number one, I'm, help, I'm hoping for those of you guys who are Christians that your faith would be strengthened, you would better understand why you're a believer and what it means to be a Christian 
And for those of you guys who might be on the outside of faith looking in, you're trying to figure out what this Jesus thing is and why anybody would choose to follow him, you'd have that question answered, or at least you would have an answer for that question. So we're going to dive into 1 Peter again this morning. I'm going to read you just a couple of verses. And as we do that, I want to give you just a quick recap of 1 Peter, who he is, why this is being written, and why it makes any difference for you. Of course, the verses are on the screen, so you can follow along there. Peter was the guy who wrote Peter. You get that, right? First Peter was written by Peter. That's why it's called Peter. And so Peter was this follower of Jesus. You can read about Peter in the, in the Gospels, which are the stories of Jesus' life. And in the Gospels, we find out that Peter was a fisherman. He wasn't particularly religious. He was a blue-collar, roughneck sort of dude. And one day, Jesus calls him to be one of his disciples. Well, Peter quickly becomes the leader of the original 12 apostles or disciples. And he goes through these ups and downs that we've chronicled over the last few weeks. And in the end, Peter is with Jesus on the night that Jesus is arrested and then crucified. And in that time, Peter denies Jesus. He has this really low point in his life. And thankfully, Jesus comes to him after the resurrection and restores him. He says, hey, I'm not done with you. I know you messed up, but I still love you. I still want you on my team. Get back to being a leader, Peter. And so Peter becomes the leader of the early church. So when we pick up this story of 1 Peter, we're 30 or so years after Jesus' crucifixion. Okay, this is three decades in the future, and Peter is still following Jesus. He's still the leader of the early church. And so he's writing to some Christians that lived in what we now know as modern day Turkey. And he's writing to these Christians because they are going through an incredibly hard time. We talked about it last week, so I'm not going to give you all the details again. But essentially, they were being persecuted by their government. It was illegal in AD 62, 63 when this book was written. It was illegal to be a Christian. And if you were found out to be a Christian, you were not only arrested, but in many, many cases, you were tortured and executed. And so Peter writes this letter to give them hope and encouragement, to tell them, hey, listen, God hasn't forgotten about you. And in fact, if you'll stay faithful, committed to the, to the good news that we've taught you, then God will see you through this difficult circumstance and situation. So let's read this here uh, again. We're going to start in, in 1 Peter chapter number 1. Check out what Peter writes to these believers and to me and to you, really. He says, so you must live in reverent fear of God during your time here as temporary residents here on earth. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. Thanks, mom and dad. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. But this ransom was paid by the precious blood of Christ who was the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him, Christ, Jesus. God chose him as your ransom payment long before the world began. But now in these last days, he, Jesus, has been revealed for your sake. It is through Christ, Peter says, that you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave Jesus great glory. So in verse 23, Peter says, you have been born again, 
That's gonna be an important phrase in this message today. You have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. And that word that he's talking about there, Peter says, is the good news that was preached to you. All right. In this passage, Peter spells out a truth that a lot of people get wrong about Christianity. In fact, it's the same thing that I misunderstood when it comes to Christianity. And I'm gonna give this to you at the top of our message so that you can let this roll around in your mind and we'll continue to talk about it and refer to it. What is the misconception that even these first century believers had and so many people in 2019 have about Christianity? Here it is. Christianity is about spiritual transformation, not behavior modification. Okay, I'm gonna say that again. Christianity, the whole point of this religion is not about behavior modification. It is about spiritual transformation. Guys, I don't know if you realize this or not, but there are basically two versions of Christianity in our world today. There's this true version that we find in the scriptures, and then there's also this counterfeit, kind of poor quality knockoff version of Christianity. And in this knockoff version of Christianity, which by the way, some of you may have had some experience with, in this knockoff version of Christianity, what God is primarily concerned with is our behavior. Do we obey the rules? Yes or no, are you a good person or a bad person? That's ultimately all that matters. And in this version of faith, because God is so concerned with our behavior and whether we obey and follow the rules, then Christians believe, oh, well, we should be concerned with behavior. But the irony is most Christians are not concerned with their own behavior. They're concerned with everybody else's behavior, but we'll save that for another message. In this false, counterfeit, shallow, knockoff version of our faith, God is only concerned with what you do, not who you are. God is only concerned with whether or not you're following the rules that are laid out by the church or the Bible or whatever the case may be. And if you're not, then you're a bad person and he's not happy with you. In this knockoff version, God loves good people who have discipline and self-control and they can say no to bad things like whiskey and Game of Thrones. You know, if you say no to that, then God is happy with you. He loves you. You've done right. You've obeyed the rules. But if you fall on the other side of the rules, ooh, God help you. In this knockoff version of Christianity, the fake false one that exists, it existed in the first century, it exists today as well. Jesus is the ultimate guru and life coach, you know? Jesus exists to teach you how to become a better version of yourself. And if you will listen to his teachings and you put them into practice, then you will become the best version of you. And if you do that, God will be so happy with you because of your hard work and, in, and because of your success. In this version of faith, God looks at Jackie and says, Jackie, wait to just say no. I'm so proud of you for finally just saying no to marijuana, getting your life right. Good job, buddy. I'm proud of you because of who you've become and what you've done for yourself. Hey, in this knockoff false version of Christianity, 
church becomes a group of people who have to pretend like they have it all figured out, like they don't break the rules, like they don't secretly sit at home and watch Game of Thrones. They're the group of people that have to act as though they have no sin, they have no questions, they have no doubts. And in this knockoff version of Christianity, the church has to huddle together and we have to push out people who don't look like us, who don't always follow the rules, who don't believe exactly what we believe. We have to keep them out for fear of contamination. So in this false version of Christianity that exists in our world, when somebody like Jackie shows up on Sunday smelling like the green stuff, the church has only one thing to offer, and that's an ultimatum. They say to somebody like Jackie, dude, you need to get right or you need to get out. Those are your options. You can get right. You can get on the right side of the rules. You can learn to knuckle down and say no, or you can go somewhere else because this isn't the group for you. In this fake, false, counterfeit, shallow, knockoff version of Christianity, the only thing that matters is behavior. And the only thing that the Christian religion exists for is behavior modification. It doesn't matter what's going on on the inside as long as the outside looks right. It's kind of like the New Horizons mall. It looks perfect on the outside. You go inside and you're like, whoo, it's a mess in there. Now look, for those of you guys who say, yep, yep, I don't know how you know about my church experience, Dan. I don't know how you know about the Christians that are at my workplace, but that's exactly what I've experienced. That's exactly what Christianity has been to me, and that's why I left. That's why I walked away, and I've got no plans to come back. Can I say to you, I understand. I really do. I reject that version of Christianity as well. And maybe for those of you guys, and you're here this morning because you have a family member or a friend, and this, guys, this happens more often than I could possibly tell you. You have a family member or a friend who maybe they've started attending Connect and suddenly they seem very religious and you're like, what in the world is going on with these people? And so you showed up today to, to prove to them, look, I'm gonna prove you're in a cult. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna point out everything they say that proves that you're in a cult. For those of you that are worried that your friends and family members have shown up and they don't realize it yet, but they have signed up for that version of Christianity that I've just kind of spelled out for you, I want to tell you they haven't. They have not signed up for this shallow counterfeit version of following Jesus that's all about the outside and looking right and pretending like you have it together. Instead, they have given their hearts to the real Jesus, the one who loves them and wants to transform them from the inside out. In fact, in this passage that we just read, Peter goes to great lengths to communicate to Christians that our faith is not about what we do for God. Our faith is all about what God has done for us in Christ. It's not about us. It's about him. It's not because we're awesome. It's because Jesus is awesome. Look back at this passage here. Look at verse number 18. I'm gonna ask you some questions and they're right there. You can answer them. Who paid the ransom for our sins? Jesus did. 
God did. He chose Jesus. Who took care of my mistakes? Who took care of my shortcomings? Who took care of Jackie's addiction? Who took care of Jordan and Amber's grief? It was Jesus. It was God. Not us. It wasn't me. I didn't pay for my mistakes by going to church and being a good little church boy. I didn't pay for my mistakes by putting money in the offering plate. No, God himself was the one who took care of my brokenness. In verse number 19, the Bible says, we are redeemed not by what we give to God. Gold and silver is the example that Peter uses, but it applies to anything, good works, church attendance. We're not redeemed by those things. Instead, we are redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. He is the one that God chose to take care of my mistakes. And did you notice in verse number 20? When does the scripture say God chose to take care of your sins and mistakes? Are you kidding me? God loves us so much that before we ever did anything stupid or rebellious, he said, when they do something stupid and rebellious, I'm gonna take care of it. That means that the stuff you're gonna do next week that you don't even know you're gonna do yet, God already knows and he loves you and he's already taken care of it in Jesus. We are not saved by our good deeds or by what we give to God. We are not Christians because we look right on the outside. We are Christians and we are saved because God has transformed us from the inside out. That's why Peter points out, Jesus is the one who gets the glory, not me. If it's up to me or if it's up to Jackie, then Jackie deserves a lot of credit for learning to say no and getting his life right. But Jackie would tell you, "Uh uh-uh, it wasn't me. I prayed and God did something that I cannot explain and yet it's very real because my life today looks nothing like my life did back then. I told you that phrase, born again, was gonna be really important there in verse number 23. Very important because Peter says, you're born again and that is good news. This is the bottom line truth. And this is the difference between the real version of Christianity and the false one that many of you have rightfully rejected. The good news of our faith is that Jesus gives us a rebirth, not a redo. Jesus gives us a rebirth, not just a do-over, a redo. See, because religion tells you that what God gives you is a chance to get it right. You got it wrong the first time, so let's see if you can get it right the second time. But in the genuine version of our faith, God is not primarily concerned with your behavior. He is primarily concerned with your heart. He wants to know, do we love him? Do we love our neighbor? In this real version of our faith, there aren't good people and bad people. There are only broken, sinful people who need rescue. We are all in the exact same situation. Now you say, wait a sec though. What about people who aren't sinful? Can I tell you they do not exist? There are people who, you know, do a better job at managing behavior and all that sort of stuff. But when you get right down to it, every single person on the planet is broken and sinful to some extent. Seriously, me? Yes. 
You, yes. Your sweet grandma, yes. The Pope, absolutely. We are all broken and sinful and we need God to rescue us. We need his love and grace and forgiveness in our life. So in this true version, this real faith that God offers to us, God doesn't love us when we get it right and punish us when we get it wrong. That is not how God works. Instead, in this real version of faith, you won't even know how much God loves you until you get it wrong. It's only when you get it wrong that you really start to understand how good God is and how much he really does love you. In this true version that Peter's trying to encourage these first century Christians to hold on to, Jesus is not our life coach. He is our king. He is our savior. He is our Lord. He is the one who deserves all the glory and all the credit because if it's up to me, I'm gonna make a mess out of it. I promise you guys that. Jesus doesn't exist to make us a better version of ourselves. He exists to make us a new version of ourselves. He wants to not just give us a redo, he wants to give us a rebirth. He wants us to be totally transformed on the inside, not simply manage our behavior on the outside. And in this true version of following Jesus, The church is not some group that just huddles together and keeps other people at arm's length. Instead, we realize that every single one of us, whether we come to church on Sunday or we don't, whether we claim the name of Jesus or we don't, whether we are good people or we are bad people, it doesn't matter. Every single one of us are in the same situation. We need God to rescue us from our pain, from our brokenness, from our regret, and from our sin. This is what Jesus actually taught. And this is why we're his followers in 2019. I get why you would say, I don't want anything to do with that fake, plastic, phony version of religion. Me either. But when you truly understand what it means to follow Jesus, when you understand what the scriptures really do teach, when you're a part of a community where people don't require you to pretend, it changes everything. The author Tim Keller, he has this great quote that I wanna share with you. He says, religion says, I obey, therefore I am accepted by God. But the gospel says, I am accepted by God in Christ, therefore I obey. We don't obey God. We don't follow the rules so that God will love us. But it's not a burden to follow the commands that Jesus gives because we know he loves us. You see, we've got to get it straight. It's not that obedience leads to acceptance. It's that acceptance will lead to obedience and transformation. My friends, listen, every single religion on the planet will tell you the same thing, including the false version of Christianity. That is, that it is your responsibility to deal with your mistakes and sins. You need to deal with the wrong that you've done in the world. So Buddhism will tell you the way you deal with the wrong that you've done in the world is to follow the Noble Eightfold Path. And if you'll do these eight things then you will have atoned for your sin. 
If you follow Judaism, Judaism will tell you you need to obey the Ten Commandments. That's how you stay right with God. If you want to follow Hinduism, it's going to say you've got to develop good karma. You've got to do nice things for people so that, you know, the, the universe will be happy with you. If you follow the false version of Christianity, it'll tell you you've got to pretend like you follow all the rules all the time. You're a good person. You don't need to be saved. Just give me another chance, Jesus, and I'll get it right this time. But when you see what the scriptures actually teach, you recognize it is nothing like that. I'm carrying around this weight of sin, and it doesn't matter how hard I try. It doesn't matter what religious system I follow. It doesn't matter how much I pretend that this doesn't exist. No matter what, I'm never going to be able to deal with the weight of my sin. And so the scripture tells us that Jesus comes along, and Jesus, who is the sinless, spotless lamb of God, he has no sin at all. And he's like, hey, Dan, I love you. Let me take care of that for you. And he is the one who takes my sin. I'm not responsible for paying for it because I can't. Jesus did it for me. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to have accepted his forgiveness and to have received a fresh start. Not a redo, but a rebirth in Christ. In John chapter number three, Jesus is having a conversation with a man named Nicodemus. And in John chapter number three, um, in this conversation, he says something really bizarre, Jesus does here. Uh, he, says, he says to this guy, Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, born again, there's that phrase, unless you are reborn, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus, who I think was the class clown, said, what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Thanks for that image. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born from above. Humans can re reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say to you, you must be born again. Nicodemus says, but how? I don't understand. What are you even talking about? How are these things possible? Jesus said, this is how God loves the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. According to Jesus, you don't need a redo. You've had plenty of redos and you still haven't gotten it right. I still haven't gotten it right. And let's be quite frank, when you genuinely hurt somebody, how do you redo that? How do you undo that? You can't. So according to Jesus, we don't need a redo. We need a rebirth. So what is this rebirth that Jesus is talking about? How, how do we become born again from above? Jackie actually illustrated this very beautifully in his testimony video. In the end, all we have to do is ask. That's it. It's as simple as asking. If you look in, in Romans chapter number 10, verses nine through 13, uh, Jesus, or rather the scripture tells us, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. You catch that? 
You're not made right with God because you put money in the offering plate or you go to church on Sunday or you say no to whiskey and Game of Thrones. You are made right with God by believing in your heart and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, no one who trusts in him will ever be rejected and everyone who believes in him will be saved. So I wanna close this morning And I wanna give you the opportunity to experience this rebirth. I'm gonna tell you, it's not magic. It's not going to, you know, there are no spotlights and angels descending on you in this moment. But if you're like, man, whatever that entails, I I don't want fake religion. I don't want a shallow version of a relationship with God. I want the genuine article. I want something real, something that will see me through the hard times, something that's powerful enough to transform me the way it transformed Jackie. All you have to do is repent, request, receive. That's it. Now, repent simply means to have a change of mind. You realize that God doesn't love you if you're good and he's mad at you if you're bad. All you have to do is say, God, I know I've made a mess of things and I need your help. Then you request, you ask, you say, Jesus, I need forgiveness and a fresh start. And if you do that, he promises you will receive it. And guys, I know this sounds ridiculous, but when you do, in a way that I can't explain, but I've certainly experienced, everything changes. So I'm gonna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you say, man, whatever this entails, whatever it means, I am ready for that kind of relationship with God. Then I'll just invite you to repeat a very short prayer after me. Do you say them out loud? You can say them in your heart, doesn't really matter. The effect is exactly the same. God hears your requests and he gives you this new birth. So maybe you pray something like this, Jesus, I need a real relationship with you. I need forgiveness and a fresh start. And today I'm asking you for both. Thank you for giving it to me, amen. My friends, if you prayed that very simple prayer, it is the start of this spiritual transformation that Jesus wants you to experience. And if you've already said that prayer, you've been following Jesus for a long time, may you never slip back into the idea that God is primarily concerned with how you behave. He is always concerned with your heart because heart leads to behavior because we don't need a redo. We genuinely need to experience his rebirth.